I'm Chelsea. I'm Deetra. And we're giving you a million murders. So, today I'm doing a murder. Mm, mm -hmm. And... I don't know if you've ever watched this show. I grew up watching it. Love it. It was just, I don't know. Wife Swap? Yes. A Wife Swap murder? A Wife Swap murder. Well, what? not really a Wife Swap murder. You'll They were they were on Wife Swap. Right. So That's what I mean. Yeah. Mhm. So, I I did title it as Wife Swap murder. But anyway, um yeah, it's crazy. I don't think I knew. I didn't know about it either. Yeah. I don't and I think seen I... it and I was like, what? I used to watch that. Yeah. Oh, me and mom loved Wife Swap. That yes. was our thing. So today we're going to be talking about an interesting case, obviously. Uh, this family was actually featured on Wife Swap. So I was yeah, just Ooh. like floored whenever I yeah. seen that. I was just like, that's crazy because, you know, I used to watch it and you used to watch it. A lot of people used to watch it. And if you, which I'll get into it. Yeah. So, and it, this episode aired in 2008. So, the family we're going to be talking about today is the Stockdale family. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of Y Swap's a bit exaggerated, though, you know? Right. Um, but if you've never seen it, uh, they find two families who are completely different. Um, examples are, you know, they'll find a family that's a religious family, and they'll swap a swap them with a family that's non-religious they'll find a really clean family and they'll swap it with someone that's not so clean mm-hmm. um so home dads would stay at home moms. yeah just polar opposites yeah so they definitely have the families you know play up their differences to an extreme level i feel like right yeah. uh, and then they have the two wives of each family swap Obviously, they know that swapping two families with completely different lifestyles are going to, you know, create some drama. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much yeah, what makes TV it. anyways, you yeah. know, <laughs> drama. So, before each wife leaves their house, and I'm just going to get into, like, how it happened, like, what they do and in right. the show and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. Before each wife leaves their house, each wife writes down a list of rules maintaining their household. And then the new wife that comes in has to follow their rules for like a week. Mm -hmm. And then they switch to... So the new wife's able to come up with her list of her own household and make all these new rules that are completely different from what the original wife does in her household. So then at the end of the weeks, the family comes back together and they'll talk about their experiences. Sometimes the husbands appreciate their wives much more when they're switched back or they realize how awful they are. So, you know, I've seen somewhere the parents meet after the swap and they're like in like they'll just get into full blown arguments. Oh, and it's yeah. just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's it's so funny because whichever spouse is having to pull the most weight Mm -hmm. it always ends up being where things are different and so then you find a lot of these spouses being like very like empathic toward Mm -hmm. the other one because they're like oh she doesn't 
do this or, oh, he doesn't Mm -hmm. do that to help, you know, that kind of stuff. And so then they kind of can come together, see... I love the ones where they come together and it's like, okay, yeah, I do too. we can help out more or we can do this on mm-hmm. both sides because some yeah. of the wives don't do anything and the husbands mm-hmm. do everything and then they have to do everything and they're shook, honey. They're oh yeah, shook, shook it to the core. <laughs> and then they appreciate their spouse. You know, it's a, a spousal appreciation yeah, at the end. It can for be. For some of them. For some. And it's nice to see when that happens. Yes. <laughs> but sometimes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> So back in 2008, season four aired, and the Stockdale family of six, who are based out of Stark County, Ohio, were among the families that were featured. Their family included the parents, Tim and Catherine, as well as their four sons, Calvin, Charles, Jacob, and James. Now, the Stockdales lived in a rural town on a farm, and the boys were raised very conservatively. Mm-hmm. And when I say very conservatively, very conservative very very so as in their access to traditional media and traditional upbringing was extremely limited for example the boys were not allowed to watch tv play video games date they couldn't listen to any rap or hip-hop music they couldn't even eat candy couldn't cuss and couldn't have any unmonitored or unscheduled internet access which Nowadays, the internet. Yeah, some it's, monitoring isn't bad, but like yeah, some. You can't but keep... nowadays, it's like you got kids on YouTube watching their kids' stuff, and then like stuff will just pop up, and it's just like this oh, yeah. is supposed to be restricted, like for certain things, but still stuff pops up. Yeah, stuff gets. It's stuff scary will, for sure, but stuff will slip through. But yeah, but you can't keep your children away from everything no, forever. Then they're going to just be out here acting. Well, they're going to be lost because all this crazy, like the world is a crazy place. So you can't shelter them forever because then you're just going to basically throw a little baby puppy Mm -hmm. out into a pack of wolves. Like, good luck. Sorry. I don't know if I should have said that, but you know, you have to protect your kids in more ways than just keeping them from seeing the world the way it is because the world's going to be, the world's going to world. Yeah, because they're going to end up having to be out in the world on their own yeah and it's gonna be scary yeah <laughs> i'd be terrified <laughs> so all four boys all four boys were homeschooled by Catherine and were bound by very strict schedules and rules as a way to protect them from bad influences Catherine even stated that in order for her boys to have success in life was to have a good work ethic and lots of structure growing up the boys were heavily influenced by bluegrass music and it was a bit of it, it was a big part of their life. Hmm. And eventually they started, or yes, eventually they started the Stockdale family band. It wasn't just the boys. Their father was also part of the band as well. Uh, Tim played guitar, which is the father. Calvin played the banjo. Charles played the mandolin. Mandolin, yes. <laughs> Jacob played the fiddle and James played the bass. <laughs> I quit. I quit. <laughs> James played the bass. Mm-hmm. Striped bass. Their mom, Catherine, <laughs> did not play an instrument herself, but she ended up giving her role of band manager. Oh. Other than maintaining their family and going to school, the Stockdale Family Band was their biggest responsibility and priority. 
This sounds familiar. I feel like I've seen this episode and I didn't know that something happened. Probably have. Okay. So the band was pretty successful. They traveled all around the U.S. competing and actually, was that right? Competing. God bless. I knew it didn't sound right. <laughs> it didn't hit right. But there's so many words that just sound weird to me, so I just went with it. <laughs> quit. Never quit. They traveled all around the U.S. competing and actually winning several regional competitions. Mm. They actually wrote three albums as a family, and they would play their music in several different states, including Indiana, Michigan, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania. Huh, okay. They mainly did small venues like churches, theaters, county fairs. Uh, They said that their dad was their inspiration for playing old-time acoustic music. I thought this was cute. Because they would even have music nights when they were younger. And growing up, their dad would play guitar, and the boys would hit pots and pans until they were old enough to play instruments. Oh, I thought that was cute, because a lot of times, you know... Kids get into the cab, the cabinets in the kitchen, pull the pots and stuff out, and they get in trouble. Like, put that pot, leave the pots alone. But, like, they just let them play. Oh, that's yeah, cute. Yeah, that is cute. I love it. So, Jacob, who's the third son, was born in May of 92, started, talk, started taking music lessons at just seven years old, and was 12 when they started the family band. So, by then, he was already playing fiddle like an expert. Hmm. So, despite their love of bluegrass music, they still had strict rules around rehearsing for the band. So, of course, when they went on wife swap, some of these rules that they had were on the show, and the wife that swapped with them thought they were very overwhelmingly strict, but, of course, they swapped with someone who was completely opposite from them. Right. A very liberal family from Illinois who lived nothing like the Stockdales, and their last names is Tonkovic, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tonkovic. Lori Tonkovic was the wife who switched places with Catherine Stockdale. Obviously, completely different from the Stockdale family. They were very carefree. Their two kids were 21 and 17. They were super free to go about, you know, their lives as they pleased. Lori even stated that her kids were allowed free reign over anything in their home. And as I said before, the Stockdales had no dating policy, but the Tonkovic actually had the girl's significant other living with them in the home. Some a big difference some a big different experiences for Catherine and in the episode Catherine leaves a very detailed family manual for Lori which said what the boys are required to do every day and also includes some details on why she chose to raise the boys this way and how she thinks that you know it'll benefit them later in life. Mm-hmm. So their family manual said This is the Stockdale family manual. Welcome to our home. We're not just a family. We're a band. The Stockdale's family band. We play bluegrass in barn dances and shindigs all over our area. We have Calvin on banjo, Charles on mandolin, Jacob on fiddle, and James on upright bass. Tim, my husband, is on guitar and I'm the manager. A family that plays together stays together. And there's nothing so wholesome as playing all-time bluegrass with your favorite people, your family. We moved to this country to get our boys away from the city. Our boys were being raised away from violent language, sexual influences, drinking, smoking, drugs, rap music, all these things we left behind in the city. And I'm like, 
It ain't just the city, but okay. Um, Instead, we are raising our children on a diet of wholesome activities and farm work, keeping their minds pure, their bodies healthy, and keeping out the influences of modern society. That's why we homeschool. TV and video games are banned. They produce redundant minds in lazy children, which lazy children are, I agree with. It can. I'm not saying in all children, but (laughs) definitely does. Um, Or definitely can. Right. Like, I mean, if you just have no structure for your children, then it doesn't matter whether they do it or not. Trust me, I know some. Anyway, I I want my boys to be active, productive, and busy every waking moment. Internet access is restricted. There's no idle... There's no idle surfing in this house. Instead, we enjoy spending time reading to each other, playing music, or telling stories. Mm-hmm. The boys weren't even allowed to play sports. Sports of any kind because she thought that they would make them too self-centered and competitive. One of the important ideals that Catherine really seems to drive home is that nothing's free in their home. Everything is earned. I thought this was a little... So she had the boys do a variety of household chores and farm work in order to receive tokens in exchange for that work. I'm like, what? But no competition. But you're literally putting mm. them in basically a game of yeah. life. But okay. So they save up mm. their tokens. And if they get enough, they're able to watch a pre-approved family-friendly TV show or have one stick of gum. The gum. I remember this. This is so specific. Well, I remember this, and that woman just about lost her mind. The woman who the Catherine the Stockdale the liberal mom. wife. The liberal wife. <laughs> so Catherine says she stays home to cook, teach, and manage while Tim runs the farm and works a second full time job delivering animal nutrients to farmers across Ohio. Mm. When it comes to chores, this is what the manual says. Everything. <laughs> Oh, my word. Lord bless their hearts. Man. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with hard work, but geez. I'm not saying like everything that she's, that she's instilling in their kids is wrong, but there's a lot of this stuff and I'm just like grateful for my, my parents. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So I feel like my parents are pretty great parents, but whatever. So we do not look at chores as free slave labor. We are giving our children a good worth ethic and selfless attitude, which I'm, I think it's very good for yeah, you to great. instill chores. Work ethic, great. great. Selflessness, great. <laughs> great. But there needs to be boundaries there. Tokens, mama. So um, it keeps us grounded and bonds us together. We like to teach our boys to work with their hands. This means chores yard work and cleaning when it comes to eating the manual states that the meals must be shared as a family unless tim has gone for work or calvin is away at college meals can not be rushed and each day they have a detailed menu of what they will be having so the boys are not allowed to have candy or any types of snacks throughout the day if they count me out (laughs) count me out i know you're five and you're and you're like get to the age you're just like you realize like like this is crazy like bro i'm gonna head out i'm just gonna be spongebob (laughs) honey so if they don't finish a meal they will not be given anything else until they finish what's left on their plate 
Catherine then explains that the boys wake up at 7.30 every day and <laughs> and then they're given a four-minute warning, just four, that breakfast will be served soon. And if they don't arrive for breakfast on time, they're actually charged 25 cents and the fee increases the later that they are for breakfast. <sighs> she says... This teaches them about financial penalties, and the manual also lists a bunch of potential meals that Lori can cook for them, and some of these foods include... (laughs) Chelsea, we're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Link sausage on bread with sauerkraut, breakfast giblets... Giblets? This is some country food. Now, I'm not going to make fun of the food they eat because everybody has... No, I ain't going to make... The only thing, but, I, the only thing I'm going to make fun of is the giblets. The giblets. Giblets. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Breakfast giblets, which is hearts and gizzards. Ooh. Fried liver on bread, which... Ooh. And butter. <laughs> which... <laughs> We're from the country, but we don't eat... The super country food can't, can't, I can't do it. Somebody would tear this meal up. Oh, yeah. In a heartbeat. It's gonna be me. It's not me, though. I can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Herb baked chicken with salad. That sounds good. That That sounds right. That sounds good. And then more standard things like scrambled eggs and sardines. I'm like, how is that a stamp? Sardines on hot buttered toast with mustard. Uh. After breakfast, each of the boys have to do their chores before they start their homeschooling. And Catherine actually notes in the show that they have to get A's on all their material before they move forward with new material. So, okay. So, she also explained in the show that homeschooling gives her control over what gets taught, which... This is all this is about is control, control, control. Yeah. It's literally like... The, The penalty for being late for breakfast? Financial. Financial penalties. Teaches about financial penalties. Like, but that's not ever going to happen in real life. So, oh, this is kind of like when mom used to make us pay because we were late for breakfast. (laughs) For breakfast, yeah. Okay, anyway. So I said that um, it gives her control over what gets taught and what moral lessons her sons learn. She also says that the kids participate in debate lessons every day at 4 p.m., (laughs) <laughs> that sounds so fun. Yeah, yeah. So then at the end of the day, they have dinner. And after dinner, they practice their music, their instruments, and follow anything outlined in the band's contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a family band. What contract? Y'all got these kids out of contract. <laughs> so during the episode, Catherine stresses that the number one rule in their house is this, is that the kids obey their parents, which okay. they should. Yeah. In the manual, she says, The first rule of this house is to obey your parents. Teaching the boys respect is vital in the modern world where so many children disrespect adults. True. We don't tolerate... That was me saying true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they don't... Or we don't tolerate any of the boys hurting each other physically or verbally. Well, that's and, good. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of good things in here, but there's a lot of, like, weird stuff, too. Um, and insist that if they make a mess, they clean it up. Okay. Okay. So at the end of the first week, Lori, 
Lori, the other wife swap mom, does not like the way that the Stockdale kids are being raised, and she gets to change the rules. Right. So during week two, Lori allowed a lot of different things, and the boys were honestly uncomfortable with it. Yeah, they which, like, you about to get us knocked out because yeah. we're not. I mean, she allowed the boys to play video games. They weren't used to it, but obviously they would enjoy it. Right. They felt extremely guilty, and at one point, Jacob, bless him, actually ran out crying and told Lori that if he played video games, his parents would tell him that he would burn in hell. <sighs> also, one of the things she wanted the boys to experience during her week was to date. So she tried to get Charles and Calvin to go on a date, but they were very against it. Yeah. They were scared to break any of the family rules, which I mean, you know, they've been indoctrinated into their whole like, life. Like, oh, so Catherine's appalled by all the freedom that Lori's kid had, especially that they had their significant others living with them. Yeah. So she decides to teach them a lesson by having them carry babies around that cried. This is the Stockdale mom. Right. She over your terror. Lori's family. Yeah. So, like the dolls, you know, some people get in health class. I got Miss Barrett's class. I loved the. I loved that. I loved it. Oh, it was so much fun. I get up at like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I just love it. Like you know, I grew up around babies, so I'm, I was just—I've always loved kids. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. I got an A. I was like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so by the end of the two weeks, both wives are ready to get back to their families. Um, obviously, especially Lori. <laughs> She's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> but but before they switch back, they have them all get together and discuss what they learned from each other, and mostly just rip each other's parentings to shreds, basically. Mm-hmm. So Lori. She actually ended up calling Catherine a terrible parent. Oh. And as you could assume, she wasn't too happy about. So in the Stockdale house, the kids were eventually able to leave home if they want to if they want to um if they want to once they hit like a certain age. Uh-huh. Obviously eighteen or up, whatever. Yeah. Although this is highly discouraged. When they reached the college age, Calvin and Charles decided to leave home. They was like Gotta we go. Out. We out. We bouncing. Mm-hmm. So Calvin went off to Hillsdale College in Michigan, and Charles went off to study and be a doctor in Philadelphia. Hmm. So now Jacob and James were at home dealing with all these rules, pressure by themselves, and they still played in their family band without their older brothers. Mm-hmm. Once Calvin and Charles left, Jacob was now the oldest son living at the home, and he actually joined a second band and won first and second place in a handful of regional contests. Things were, quote, normal for a little while, but that all changed on June 15th of 2017. Oh, wow. So recently. Yes, recent, recent. So, that day, a 911 call was made to Stark County Police Dispatch, but the caller hung up before stating their emergency. But, of course, police were able to trace that call back to the Stockdale residence. Right. And they went ahead and sent a squad out, car out there. I know this because I called 911 and blamed it on my brother. And the police showed up <laughs> and we got in trouble. So, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us done that growing up. Because yeah. um, I sure did. I done it twice, I think. I did it when our house burnt and we lived in the church parsonage. I called 911. Why? <laughs> and then whenever, after our new house was built... I ended up calling, yeah, they came out twice, like, two different locations. They was like, bro, like, 
we were just at your house like three years ago. They like wasn't expecting us to be at another house. They're like, this is the same people. It's the same people, different home. Yes. So when they got there, the two sheriff deputies approached the house and they realized that the front door was left open. So they slowly walk towards the door and as they do, they look inside and realize that someone is lying motionless on the floor. Oh, no. Immediately, they call for backup, and then they start making verbal commands from this person, hoping that they will stand up, you know, but they don't. They don't hear anybody inside at first. Nobody responds to them, but then they hear a loud gunshot coming from inside the house. So, more officers are on the way, and these deputies decide to go ahead, enter the home, and when they do, they realize it's Catherine Stockdale lying on the ground. Then they realize it's not just Catherine. It's also the youngest brother in the family, James. No. Who is lying motionless on the ground. And it turns out that both of them were dead from a single gunshot wound. And they then they found the oldest brother, who's currently living in the house, Jacob, on the ground with a gunshot wound to the head. But unlike his brother James and his mom, he was still alive. So based on the crime scene... The fact that the last gunshot had gone off after the police had already arrived, they knew that they had walked in on an attempted double murder-suicide. So, Jacob was rushed to Metro Health Medical Center to be treated for his life-threatening injuries. I just thought, at first I thought the mom. I thought the mom at first, and then that, and then I was and like, then I thought, okay, so the, the dad. dad. Where's the dad? Yeah, and then that, and I was like, Ooh. And it's the kid, see? So, in the press conference, the sheriff said that they had never been called out to this house before. They had no reason to believe that anyone in the home was in danger. And they also stated that the murder weapon itself was a 20-gauge shotgun. After they first spoke with the father, they had no understanding for why this happened. So, when this press conference was held, Jacob was actually still in critical care, hanging on to life. Mm. Obviously, they're hoping that he survives and that they can interview him to determine a motive. So, Calvin and Charles, which are the older two that moved out college, were alerted about what had happened back at the family's home, and they were shocked. Calvin actually made a public statement and said that James, the youngest of them, the one that passed, was always the catalyst of family fun. He was a gifted musician, loved dancing and people, and was working towards earning his business degree and to get into business and entertainment. He said he leaves behind many friends and family that loved him dearly. So, three days after this happened, the remaining family members told the media that they expected Jacob to make a full recovery. Okay. At that point, he still had a few procedures and surgeries coming up, but they were pretty positive he was going to live. Calvin also put on this statement on behalf of his family. He said, I speak for my family when I say we love him and forgive him. Mm. The prayers and support for my family have been deeply appreciated. We ask for continued prayers for Jacob's healing. Oh. So, the community donated over 14000 to a GoFundMe to raise funds for the memorial service for Catherine and James. Tim says that Catherine was an incredible wife. He said that the two of them met in college at the Agronomy Club and stayed together ever since. He described her as having a strong love of learning, a passion for her Christian faith, natural health, and organic farming. So their GoFundMe eventually reached over $31,000, and those funds were used to help pay for Jacob's medical expenses as well, which was pretty controversial, you know, for some people. Right. You know, a lot of people had mixed opinions on that. Um, 
but Jacob ended up requiring care at the Metro Health Medical Center for more than a year in order to recover from the self-inflicted gunshot wound to his head. Mm-hmm. So police had to wait for Jacob's condition to improve before they tried to determine a motive or formally charge him with anything. So September 26, 2018, Stark County Sheriff's Department filed the indictment against Jacob that later against Jacob and later that afternoon he was aware of his charges filed against him but before they even had the chance to make the arrest himself Jacob actually turned himself in Mm. for his crimes on September 27th 2018 so remember that he turned himself in right okay so after that Jacob's lawyer was given the pretrial date which was scheduled to take place on October 9th of 2018 at 8 a.m. And his bond was set for $1 million. So when the pretrial came around, Jacob's defense attorney filed a motion to determine compensy. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Okay. Obviously, it's possible that Jacob was struggling with his mental health Mm -hmm. before... Oh, uh, competency. mm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. When the pretrial came around, Jacob's defense attorney filed a motion to determine competency. I say it weird. It just sounds weird when I say it. It's a weird word. Competency. Competency. Like that you're competent in like being able to. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously it's possible that Jacob was struggling with his mental health before the shooting even happened, but especially now that he had a horrific brain injury. So this motion will determine whether he was competent to stand trial. Mm-hmm. Jacob and his attorney ended up submitting a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. Eventually, a psychiat- psychiatric. <laughs> Eventually, a psychiatric evaluation was performed on Jacob in 2019. However, based on the doctor's evaluation, they determined that Jacob did not have a mental illness and that would prevent him from understanding the legal proceedings. So this obviously means Jacob's going to be standing trial. However, his defense attorney was certain that he was not fit to stand trial. So he asked for a second opinion. Okay, so the first psychological evaluation said he had no signs of mental health, of mental illness that could show competency. Yes. So not necessarily that he doesn't have a mental illness, but that what that said mental illness is doesn't mean he's not fit to stand trial. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. Oh, I went down too far. I was like, where? where?" I was like, second opinion. A second psychiatric (laughs) evaluation was performed, and this time there was a cause of concern, and Jacob was not competent to stand trial. But this doctor also said that Jacob could be restored within a year if he was given intense treatment for his mental health. And at that point, of course, Jacob's defense attorney wanted a third opinion, but that was denied because that would have cost taxpayers an extra $5,000. Shoo. Yeah. So, after hearing the results of both psychiatric evaluations, the judge declared Jacob incompetent to stand trial, and he ordered that Jacob be placed at Heartland Behavioral Health Care Hospital for treatment. So, because of this, the double murder trial was delayed until Jacob was able to be deemed competent. Mm-hmm. Additional assessments, of course, were given to Jacob while he was at Heartland, and the mental health officials at the treatment center actually requested the audio between himself and his family while um he was at the Stockdale while he was at the Stock County Jail. 
They believe that hearing those calls would help determine if Jacob was competent because if it because it was suspected that he may have been faking his mental illness. Because mm-hmm. people, people do be doing that. Yeah. So they felt like, at the very least, they would be able to get an idea of who, you know, Jacob was by hearing those calls. But during his time at Heartland, he had some hiccups. He actually tried to escape twice. Oh, Lord. And the first one was November 18th, 2019. And this was just a few months after his treatment. And I guess he just tried to escape by hiding between stacks of books in the library after hours. Oh. And his second attempt was December of 2019, which was a month later. Uh, or, well, probably not a month later, but it was the next month. Right. Um, He tried to get out of there by blending in with people that were exiting the building, but that did not work. <laughs> I was like, bro. He's like, I'm just going to mosey on out of here. slide through. He tried sliding, but he didn't. He, <gasps> he got, he got, you know. So, January 2020, I, a psychiatric... A psychiatrist Mm -hmm. determined that Jacob was competent to stay in trial. They actually put out a report that went over all the different restoration, 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 restoration. Okay. (laughs) They actually put out a report that went over all the different restoration activities. Just sounds, I just don't think. That Jacob participated during his stay. He actually was there for a total of eight months, and they said he made a lot of progress. During that time, he was also required to participate in group therapy. They also did mock trials, which they did not, which they did to determine whether he could understand what was going on in the fake trials and see if he could, like, follow along with his own trial in the future. Mm-hmm. So the psychiatrist noted that during these mock trials, Jacob was able to understand plea bargaining and he was able to understand court terminology and was able to follow trial process and had the capacity to respond with relevant responses. So this report gave the judge enough reason to deem Jacob competent. Even though he was at that point deemed competent, he still had to go through a sanity hearing. This was a hearing that he would determine that would determine if Jacob would spend his sentence in trial or back into the health care facility. This was scheduled for March 20th, 2020. So this was during the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so because of the sanity hearing was scheduled at 8 a.m. on May 4th. So because of this, the sanity hearing was rescheduled to 8 a.m. on May 4th. But COVID obviously was still an issue. So the hearing was pushed back again until June 22nd, my sister's birthday. Uh-huh. Two more delays occurred. So then the sanity was pushed to September 8, 2020. And because COVID was still <laughs> raging at this point and long after, Jacob was teleconferenced into the hearing from Heartland Behavioral Medical Center. And if I start laughing in the, about this next part, I apologize, but you'll understand why. But if you just seen the video of this happening, like this teleconference, oh, geez. So through the hearing, Jacob often did not respond. Oh, so he's just like... Or acknowledge the judge. Oh, Lord. And this became an issue. 
His attorney responded to this saying that Jacob had difficulty processing and speaking when using technology or potentially even had some fear doing it, which is why he didn't speak. Which, I mean, can we blame him because his whole life... Yes, which it could be true. But then again, it's like you think, like, what if he really was just like, I'm just going to say, I ain't going to say nothing. Yeah. You know, you just look... (laughs) Yeah, like he could just be like, "Mm, I'm not going to say a word. But also, he thought that watching the internet was going to make the devil come out. Mm -hmm. So he's probably like, "Mm, deep... I mean, that stuff's so deep-rooted. I don't know. But Lord. So... He's just looking at the judge. And I had... I had put in here, which would kind of make sense considering he was taught to be afraid of technology his whole life growing up. An additional psychologist found Jacob mentally sane on December 31st, 2020. So a trial date was set with the intention that he would be serving his sentence in prison. But in the video, the judge was like, he said something to the officer that was back behind Jacob and he was like officer can you can you hear me and the officer was just like yes sir I can hear you and then he's like Mr. Stockdale can you hear me and he was just he was just sitting there like he wasn't saying nothing so he was like okay well it seems to be you know there's obviously not a technical issue if y'all can hear me on your end but Mr. Stockdale you know he's just not responded the original trial date was set for january 26 2021 and again covid so that was Uh delayed as well yeah it was a spike in covid cases that made the trial delayed to may 4th 2021 um a new pre-trial hearing was set for february 11th which jacob also attended virtually and in this hearing the judgment over his behavior during his time at heartland behavioral including his two escaped two escape attempts He also reviewed a letter from one of Jacob's doctors which stated that Jacob was now able to wait out his trial and sentencing in Stark County Jail. So the the doctor's like, you know, he's good, like he doesn't need any more treatment, like he's responding good, he's engaging, you know, he doesn't seem to have any issues comprehending stuff. So Mm -hmm. they said that he could wait it out in the jail instead of at the facility so the judge also pointed out that jacob made a comment to an employee at heartland behavioral that his new haircut made him look like his cousin and that he would be able to walk out if he were given a set of keys what is okay it just yeah so things that happen and then it's like oh well i mean it makes sense because this is this but then he goes and does this and it's like what are you doing yeah, what is happening? So, after laying all the evidence out against Jacob and noting a good deal of his bad behavior while in rehab, and as I mentioned earlier, it was put out in a statement by the family, by Calvin, the brother, that they forgive Jacob, you know, for what he did and that they continued on by the time the retrial came around. The family was very open about the fact that they forgave him, you know, and they wanted a, the lightest in it's possible. Mm-hmm. He was facing 30 years in prison and they were family and their family literally begged the judge to let him off as easy as possible. Mm. So they were really hoping that the judge would give him some leniency, but to everyone's surprise, Jacob didn't make, make it to trial. One week before he was supposed to sit before a jury, Jacob pled guilty to the double murder of his mother and brother. 
So him pleading guilty also, obviously, there's no trial. Right. He pleaded guilty. Mm-hmm. So he never offered up a motive for why he did it. Um, but most people suspect that he had something to do with his, uh, that most people seem to suspect that it had something to do with his very strict upbringing, which I do believe mm-hmm. plays a big part in it. So now Jacob's serving 30 years to life in prison, 15 for each murder. Uh, Jacob's eligible for parole in 2048, and to this day, we have no answers uh, on why he did it. People can only speculate, and a lot that comes from, you know, the wife swap episode. You know, how, because, you know, a lot of people seen how he was grown up. You know, because you can say this happened, this happened, and this happened, but if you don't, if it's just hearsay, like, you can't just really be like, but this was all of this upbringing was on national TV, like, people seen it. Right, People yeah. seen what was going you're, on, and, you, you know. You're literally getting a glimpse into the life. The life of, that they're living and that they're going through, and they're having to, oof, I don't know, it's yeah, crazy. like the life of somebody who is going to kill someone. Mm-hmm. So you're getting to see a background of it. Yeah. You know, that's so crazy. I know, but, you know, we don't really know if there was a specific event that right. sent him, you know, over the edge, or if it was, just years or if of, he was, yeah, or if it was like years of all that, or if he was planning this for a while, like there's just, you just never know. Right. You know, but it really does seem that Jacob's life was so strict that he was under so much, you know, pressure that he snapped. Mm-hmm. But that's just an assumption that I could see being true. But, you know, people just have, a lot of people have different opinions on it and stuff, but. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he should have killed his his mom and brother, but yeah, no, I it's mean, odd that the brother like he just yeah, I I honestly thought it was so odd that he done that, but then again, I thought maybe he done it thinking that it would set him free from yeah, like you know they're what I mean? all like he's like I'm just gonna take going care of through all, all of that it. like I'm gonna I'm gonna save my brother. Yeah, like, because he doesn't want to yeah. leave the brother mm-hmm. alone, and then he still has to deal with it because of the dad. Yeah. Um, I think I, that's what I came to after I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, uh, that could have been. So, but that's the that's mm. the story of the wife swap murder in the Stockdale family. So, Gosh. Hope you liked it. Hope it was interesting. It was. It is. I mean, it's, you know... It's going to be different for different people. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. The obey your parents thing. I mean, yes, you should listen to your parents. But also, like, the more you push that you'll obey everything that I say and what you have to say doesn't matter. Yeah. Does emotionally <clears throat> hinder your kids. Like, you have to, you know, your kids are humans, too. And they have feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and they need I mean, to be they didn't heard. have a social life. They didn't go to school. They didn't have friends. Like, yeah, like there was no. Like, I mean, I don't know if they had maybe like neighbor friends, but I mean, it sounds like they live out on a farm. So who knows? Oh, they do because they had the right. farm and they stuff. The they did. Farm, yeah. I don't know. <sighs> Bless their hearts. I mean, that's rough. Mm-hmm. But they still stuck by him, and they were like, "We don't want." Because it's like they understood, like, they were, they, 
went through it too. So it's like they were, you know, we forgive him because we know how he feels or what he was going through or, you know, and it may have not gotten to the point that they thought about doing something like that, Mm -hmm. but maybe they see why it got, how it got to that point because they went through what he went through. Right. Well, and even the dad, it sounds like, forgave him too, which is a big... It makes you wonder, which he worked all the time, so he wasn't, like, doing the teaching and the main discipline. Yeah, Um, yeah. But, I mean, obviously he let it happen. Obviously he had to have agreed with all that his wife was doing, or he just let her take the reins. I don't know, but, but yeah. So, I hope you... Hope you enjoyed that little story. I did. Um, I did. And if y'all have any questions, comments, concerns, or thoughts on the case that I just did, you can email us at ameliamurders at gmail.com. And you can go to our Instagram at ameliamurders and look at the people, places, things. Um, and you can go to our Instagram at ameliamurders and check out the people, places, and things that have to do with the case. Um... Yeah, follow us on Instagram. Every once in a while there's a story or a reel, but it's rare. (laughs) But you can look at the pictures. And then we also have our Facebook page and group, A Million Murders. You can follow both of those. And I'm going to try to make sure I post in the group so more people see it because the page was done afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you're new, just go ahead and follow both and then you'll get everything. And then we'll try to post to the group more as well. Well, thanks for tuning in. And we hope you come back for a a million million more. more. Bye. Bye.